because it's not on a whim that you're going to do this. There's a huge commitment behind technology. So someone that's really inquisitive, I find is really the best one suited for it of how can I make this system better? They're seeing improvements before anybody is requesting them. That's the type of person that you want driving all of this. It's someone that can see it. They can build it. They can implement it. They can help cascade and socialize. The drive of that person is making things better. That's what motivates the person who's leading this. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. Today's episode features NCG Senior Business Coach Catherine Freeman as your host, joined by a new guest to the podcast, Nicole Hannock, Chief Integration Officer of Painters USA. This is an interesting conversation that focuses on the essential need for continuous improvement in an organization and the strategies from Nicole's experience to move the ball forward. CIO of a $40 million plus organization that is based in three locations is no small task, but Nicole is up to the challenge and thrives on creating and ensuring efficiency. From technology analysis at different revenue sizes to implementation of new processes throughout the organization, Nicole is orchestrating all the required components of the strategy to achieve the short and long-term business goals of the company. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Well, thanks so much, uh, Molly, for that great introduction. Um, It's always a pleasure to be on the podcast and to be sharing some of our collected wisdom and of course, the topic today is about using technology and how that helps to continuously improve businesses. And I, I could think of really no better person to talk about that topic with us than Nicole Hannock from Painters USA, who's really made it her goal in life to improve the operation of the business that she works for. So, um, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Oh yeah, it's this is this is a lot of fun, and you know I think when we when we think about getting pieces of wisdom and pieces of really good content into our business owners, there's no better way than to do this to have a, a good conversation and have people enjoy it. So, um, but why don't we start off with telling uh, the group a little bit about yourself? Um, why you're here and why this topic is of interest to you. Sure, of course. Uh, So currently I'm the Chief Integration Officer with Painters USA. I have been with them since 2011, but prior to that, I actually come from the home building industry, uh, working for a painting and a siding contractor for 10 years. So definitely been in this industry for quite a while. Um, Little background about me is I came into the industry at 18 years old as a temporary support role of not planning on staying here. Um, Ended up being with that company, like I said, for 10 years and worked my way from a temp all the way up to the head of inside operations. And that company at the peak was an $80 million organization. So huge ladder to climb. Um, Unfortunately, in 2008 and 2009, that company didn't survive due to the housing boom or the housing crash, I should say. Um, So over those 10 years, it's been quite a learning opportunity, good things, really bad things, 
what to do and what not to do. So that kind of set my baseline um, for kind of my career, I guess. Um, but through those difficult times, I was actually fortunate enough to find Painters USA. Um, so when I joined them in 2011, I came in as the operations manager. So about a $5 million company at that point. Um, we had one single location. We were doing residential and commercial work. Um, and we were just really trying to get our foot in the door in that industrial space. So fast forward to today, um, we're currently a $40 million organization. We have three locations. We're not doing residential work. And we have a heavy emphasis in the industrial coding uh, market. And we're also servicing all across the US, not just within our location. So as the company has grown, I have also grown. So starting as an operations manager, really focusing on safety and profitability and building a department um, that can be scalable, that the company can grow with. In 2013, I actually became the chief operating officer. So that's where I gained a lot of insight really at that strategic level, um, putting the visionary growth path into reality through the different integrations and systems, um, the continuous improvement, the production improvement, all of that kind of stuff, really focusing on P&Ls and just enhancements. So today, like I said, um, as of 2022, I am the chief integration officer. So it is an element of a COO, but it's really narrowing the focus into analyzing the business to really be able to put the time and effort into the technologies, the systems, the processes, the ultimate integration across departments um, to really maximize the company's potential. So in a nutshell, that's a little bit about me and my history. <laughs> you know, it's funny because as I'm, I'm, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm thinking, wow, we, we need to do another podcast really soon about the visionary integrator relationship. Um, as we just has finished up our fall leadership meetings, that, that would have been a really good one for us to hit. But um, I think technology is pretty meaningful right now as we're preparing for 2023 budgets and we're getting a lot of businesses saying, well, what's, what's really important? And um, so I, I guess, you know, when I think about technology, it's such a huge umbrella, right? I mean, you, you say the word technology, it's almost like saying the words, well, I want to, I want to improve my systems in the business. Well, we need to be a little bit more deliberate than that. Right. Um, but, but, you know, give us some idea of why, why technology is important in these trade businesses. I mean, we've got people slinging paint and planting trees and putting roof tiles on. Why technology? So it's funny you say it in technology, you know, a lot of people think of an application or a software, and that's not technically everything that technology is. It's your smartphones. It's your Microsoft Office, your Excel, your iPads. Like it's so much more than just an application. So the first things that kind of come into mind, especially within the trades, is really speed and efficiency, that technology can increase the transparency of what's actually happening in the field and correlate it back into the office so that you can actually make better decisions. You can increase accountability. Um, your communications levels increase um, so that you're maximizing production. And overall, you're increasing your bottom line. That's the ultimate goal that every business is looking to do, right? Right, right, <laughs> right. <clears throat> absolutely. Um, the other one specifically is the work-life balance. So obviously I'm talking, I'm looking at this through the administration side right now is people are hard to find. That's across 
across all businesses, across all roles, they're very hard to find. And we don't want to overwork people either. There's a fine balance that comes into that. So working people 14 hours a day or adding more staff is all overhead creep, right? And that's what we're not looking to do either. So let's automate. There's a lot of things that we can do that can make people more efficient with their time, but also giving them a better work-life balance within the organization. Um, technology itself is game-changing and it's necessary for growth. I will say that if you don't invest in technology or the people or the system, you're not gonna scale. It's absolutely vital that technology is a component in order for you to achieve some of those scaling objectives. Absolutely. And, you know, something that I think is um, resonates a lot with our businesses, you know, growth and scaling don't have to be the same. You know, for some businesses, growth is about improving bottom line numbers. It's about getting better at what you do, maybe serving a niche market. But there are businesses, some of our businesses out there who who are who've got a big target and you're not going to make that happen. You're not going to make that happen unless you make the right decisions to bring in uh, those platforms that are going to make you efficient. Um, so tell me a little bit, you know, you, you've you've been in this role for a number of years and you're worked for a pretty large organization. Um, are there pitfalls in having too much technology? Um, I would say there's definitely pitfalls. Um, it's just like a growing pain as well. So as you continue to grow and you hit these different tiers and levels of the organization, you're, there's always something new that you're trying to solve. So there's a new application or a new way of doing something. And I would say one thing that I've learned over the past several years is we've essentially quilted together a lot of different technology platforms and making them talk and connect and trying to maximize, but it becomes extremely cumbersome. And I would say the other pitfall to that in turn is that you can build your tech stack faster than you can build your team to support um, those technologies because they don't stop. You don't create them and then they just work, right? You gotta enhance them. There's updates, there's modifications. Once they start working well, everybody wants more. So you got to be able to have the resources as well to continuously manage and grow those uh, tech stacks. Yeah, I think of that as, you know, the curiosity about it. I think when you bring in a new piece of technology, it's it, like you said, it's really easy to say, okay, here it is. And, and then you walk away. Um, but what are the new features in that piece of technology? And is there somebody on the team really who is interested in it? Because that could be a pr pretty big problem. Um, I love the imagery too of it being quilted together. I, I have this, uh, you know, fear my own self of, of, you know, as as the business grows and you bring in new people, people bring in technologies that they either worked with in previous organizations or that they have researched and found and they're excited by it. And you just have this layer upon layer upon layer. And I mean, it just, it, it gets to be uh, uh, overwhelming. Um, you just recently did a tech analysis, right? Tell me a little bit about what happened there. What did you find out? Yeah, so we've evaluated our, all of our technology platforms. We're still in it right now. Um, but the reason that we did that is like I identified the quilt, right, is our quilt is loose. 
and the size of organization that we are and where we want to go, we really need to tighten those strings. So we had to start looking for platforms that could grow with us and help us get back on track to our trajectory. So we identified probably a little too late in the game, but our accounting platform of QuickBooks, uh, we weren't we're maxing it out right now. I mean, space and just efficiencies, everything. So that's what drove a lot of it is just the accounting platform for us. Uh, we've also identified that project management is an area that we really want to enhance in. And that requires a different, more complex custom um, solution as well um, to be able to enhance the job costing so that we can see our numbers faster and quicker and we're leveraging better decisions and being proactive more than reactive. Um, but that's essentially what we learned. The one thing I did learn out of all of it. So I went in trying to think that there's this, there's this solution out there that's going to do everything that I want it to do. Well, it doesn't exist. So anyone who's trying to find it, stop. <laughs> you are always going to have multiple components, which isn't a bad thing is what I learned through this is ultimately you're going to go find the best in that solution is gonna be better than the one solution that gives you 10% of your needs. Go find them and the connection is the most important tool in that. Uh, But I would highly encourage anyone who's trying to find the one solution to just, you're wasting your time. (laughs) Yeah, right. And and, I mean, that's that's part of of the struggle is that we've become accustomed to tools in our personal world that sort of satisfy all the needs. And so it's easy to say, well, yeah, I can just find a tool to do that and work. And there's just really too many moving parts. Um, I've had a a couple of clients who've even contracted to get the best, right? They've, they're going to create the best. And you know, what happens is you spend years and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars developing it. And then one small thing needs to get updated and the whole system is now defunct. I would say, yes, that's a huge takeaway in learning is like you can customize and have it built to whatever you want it to be. And that is absolutely a path to go, but you need to understand the maintenance that's behind it. So there's a cost associated forever for the lifetime of that software in management, maintenance, anytime another application up, updates, there's all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's a big learning opportunity for everybody in this is that there's a team that has to go behind technology. It's just not a software that runs itself. So I think that's another huge learning opportunity for everyone is that needs to be a part of your budget. You need to be thinking about those things, not just the per user price for this, who is the salary that's behind it? What does that look like as well? Right, right. So Nicole, you mentioned uh, QuickBooks. You're exploring an alternative to QuickBooks. Tell us a little bit about what you researched. Yeah, so we went through and tried to research, um, I think it was a total of seven uh, different platforms, some of them being Microsoft Dynamics. We had Acumatica, um, CIMS, I think was the abbreviation for one of them, Viewpoint, uh, Spectrum, and then also Sage Impact. Um, We've gone through very thorough, everything from very cost-effective to astronomically priced. We looked at the whole spectrum to try to figure out if there is the right solution. Currently, we're narrowing it down. The final two that we're kind of going between is between the Viewpoint and Sage Impact, ultimately probably leaning more towards Sage Impact. 
Um, but that's kind of where we're at so far. Okay, great, thanks. Um, back to sort of the, the idea of technology in general. Um, what are the things that you might've done differently at a, at a smaller size, either five or $10 million? Um, I would say really think bigger from the beginning which can be a little hard is you don't really know where you're going, right? But I don't think we instituted technology into that visioning and that strategy as much as we probably should have. So you're, you're reacting to a lot of things. So I would definitely say at that smaller size that that is a component of your strategy is the tech build behind that. Um, Ultimately, it could lead to choosing something that's probably overkill for where you're at right now, but it could serve you so much better in the future and it can get you to your goals faster. So just that type of open mindset to dabble in that. So in visionary and integrator speak, the integrator needs to go play <laughs> in the visionary's role in their world. And then the visionary needs to come into the integrator's world. And that's where that discussion kind of happens. Right, right. Think bigger. You know, um, it's 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 challenging almost, right, to get a, a business that's maybe at the two or five million dollar level to think about that. But so many of our businesses who have that as a growth strategy have a, a you know a big a BHAG, a big hairy audacious goal. They've got a BHAG on their CPP summary that says you know twenty five million or fifty million. And if it's if that's written and captured, then technology should probably be part of it. Yeah, otherwise you're really fighting an uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> As you know from experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, just, I just have a couple more things that I really kind of thought of mm -hmm. as far as doing differently, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, one of the things in hindsight, um, through myself, in this role and kind of leading through the technology of a growing business, I also wore a full-time hat of another position. So I was doing it in tandem. So I would think, again, looking back, that's one thing I think we should have identified sooner is the designation for a primary role in technology. And I think we would have gained a little more traction in the areas that we were working on um, instead of having to divide focus. So I think that's something to take into consideration that you have one person who's kind of a visionary in the in it, right? If they're doing the build, that's how they're starting. But also that secondary role that's very important is that administrator who's supporting that lead person. That there's a lot of stuff that's hands-on, the compliance, the you know the basic little changes and integrations that support person. Because what happens is you become solely dependent on a single person and that's a bottleneck and a risk for the company. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, from the leadership conferences, right? That's the who, not how. I mean, so many times we're focusing solely on the how this is, this is what technology does, right? It's the how, um, but without a who you're, you're in a bad place. Absolutely. And I would say just the last thing I would have is the part that I despise the most. <laughs> is the, right. the documentation. You can't minimize the effort and the time that it takes to document the workflows that go into all of this. How are things connected? How are they supposed to work? The reason it's so important is that if you're not there, the business doesn't stop. There's ways that you can train and educate other people to then take it over or understand if something doesn't work, you're not going to remember 
you know, what did I do back then? You know, so all of that level of documentation in process and procedure, but also in build is very important. Redundancies. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot these days about redundancies and the, the impact of not having the right redundancies in place. You know, the word itself indicates something negative, right? Well, it's redundant. Why would we do that? It's redundant. But yeah, if you're the only person who knows how to work a system and you're going to take two weeks off, then you're not going to get two weeks off. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what's the struggles of having either not enough or the right technology in play? Um, I think I narrowed this down to really two you know, quick things. Is one, you have paper overload, which is difficult to manage. Um, you have the no historical records. They're not at your fingertips. You have to go dig through papers, you know, and that's not efficient. That's just added time that somebody's not producing or where they need to be, that they're just sorting through stuff. The other one I think is the biggest um, is really in the delays in the information sharing. So without the technology and that enhanced communication, you could be making decisions that are very bad because they're delayed. Um, so really, I think that's a primary driver for the technology is that's your ability to make proactive decisions, fact-based decisions um, to really maximize the business. I always think about a production calendar. That that for me is is probably the best you know the best example of that. Um, I know a lot of businesses who who have upgraded to a whiteboard using scheduling um, on a whiteboard, and that's been an upgrade. But now you're tied to the office and how much is actually happening in the office. You've got field decisions being made because a, a customer has added on some additional work order. We all want that, but now we can't make an effective decision about how we're gonna make that happen because we gotta go back to the office and take a look, where is that crew supposed to be? Do we need to call that customer? And like, this is, this is not about making somebody's life miserable because they've got to learn something on their smartphone. It's it's about giving them the right tool to make that decision. I want people to make their decisions, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's, like I said before, it creates that speed in that everything. You're servicing your yeah. clients faster and better. You can yeah. give more accurate details. You can schedule faster. There's a whole bunch of things. Yep, absolutely. So where would you recommend a business start? So that's kind of a loaded question. Because, <laughs> that's uh, why I asked it. <laughs> uh, Come on, Nicole, we want the answer. <laughs> yeah, so every business is completely different. Everyone has their own pain points, their own bottlenecks. So I think it's very important that there is not a one-step solution or a checklist to follow for every business. It is unique. We like our checklists, Nicole. I know. And there's a checklist. You might just go in a different order. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Um, so I would just encourage, it really needs to suit each business specifically. There are a couple of things I would recommend just based off of my experience is that the first thing every company needs, really no matter which segment you're in, in my opinion, is the time tracking. Um, having your people clock in every day versus your recording hours once a week. Um, this it's the first step to that proactive data gathering. 
um, is knowing that stuff every day. And in turn, I would say having some type of project or production management system that's leveraging that information to get ahead of your performance really are the top two things I say are the initial game changers for a business that wants to grow. It's funny because um, I had also listed estimating down and, you know, you were, you were talking about how you don't actually use an estimating software, right? You guys use, what do you use? Yeah. So we don't actually use an application itself, the software we use Excel. So I know when people hear that, they're like, well, how do you do that? Let me just be clear that it's not just your basic Excel. It is a very complex built system, but it is a form of technology. We're leveraging Excel and its capabilities. And quite frankly, the way that things are being done right now within it, or even beyond my element of comprehension, I didn't know they were possible. So just having resources to expand just what you have currently and how it could be maximized and built more efficiently, leveraging subject matter experts, you know, really helped us through that to grow it. Um, and quite frankly, it's more cost effective. We didn't have to build something custom and we don't have right. a per month per user fee. It's something that everybody has. So there's stuff that's in-house that you can also utilize. So good, good, um, good setup for my next question, which is about cost, because I, you know, uh, if I'm, if I'm thinking about a $1 million business or a $2 million business, you know, we could be talking about a, a project management software that, that could end up being, you know, 25, 30 grand a year. Um, should cost be a factor when deciding what to do here? It's definitely a factor. What I will say is it's not the only factor. I think that's very important is if you're making your decisions on technology strictly based on price, you could be losing and actually setting yourself back. So I'm not saying by any means, you know, the, the highest price is the best solution. That's not the case either. Um, but it's really looking through the lens of what problems is the technology solving and what's the return on investment? What, what's that cost implication? What's that gain that you're going to get? That's more valuable than the actual cost itself. You know, we have, um, I, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, in, in our summit workbook, we've got a break even uh, tab where we can look at the cost of something and understand, you know, what the break even point would be on it. And that a good question to ask yourself is if, will this help me to generate this revenue or will I have enough efficiencies built in in order to afford this? And so when I when I think about the cost, yeah, I mean, that's a trick question, right? Of course, cost has got to be a factor. We got to make sure that we can afford it. Um, but I'm so glad you mentioned the, you know, the like, what are what are you missing out on by not doing it? Because that if we go back to the BHAG, if your BHAG is to be a $20 million business and you're thinking today in today's terms, then how are we going to get there, right? How are we going to get there? Yeah, I think that's really important. And you hit it on the head, Catherine, that it goes to the thinking bigger earlier. So you got to make sure that whatever you're looking at fits you in the future. Because the last thing you want to do is make this cost-effective decision but it really only lasts for a year or two. And then you have to reinvest. And the effort of change at a larger size organization is way more cumbersome 
the change management process is totally different. So again, just thinking bigger that what you're evaluating, is it for the next year? Is it for the next five years? Will it hit your next milestone? All of that needs to go in consideration. And it, those are all factors. There is just not one single factor to consider. There's multiple in that arena. Right. Um, multiple decisions. Uh, is there, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that it's changing, changing the, right. When you, when you've got a big ship and you've got a course, correct. It's, it's a little bit more challenging. Anything in particular that you've had to um, maybe change the organization, change in the organization and how much time did it take? (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. That's why I heavily encourage. And I don't, I don't, I'm saying small business, right? So whether you're a million dollars, you're $5 million, or if you're even a larger $40 million organization, the element of change is difficult. People don't like change. So the more that you can institute and have vision and insight on the front end at that smaller side of the spectrum, it's less people that are impacted. So you're training a process versus changing a system. So it's just, it's, it's an undertaking and you can't underestimate it. Whatever you think it's going to take to implement something, multiply it times 10. Right. You think you're going to be resistant. You know, do you have these two people that multiply it times 10? It's just the way that humans are naturally wired is to resist the change. And especially when it comes to technology. Right. Right. Which isn't to say that we should be fearful of it. Right. Cause I, I think, you know, what, what you, what you recognize and particularly in your role, what you recognize is that on the other side of this maybe difficult process of uh, on the other side of this change or this institution of new information is um, a better, shinier, more profitable future. And so it's worth it. It's just so worth it, isn't it? It is. And it's really important, you know, so I'm technically an introvert, so it's very difficult for me, but the socializing and the why of all of this is vital. That is something I definitely learned and probably should have mentioned earlier is the why, because you're so disruptive with technology and introducing it. If people don't understand why it just creates your uphill battle even worse. Right. Right. Um, good, good catch there. I think the socializing, um, I sometimes my own self forget, like, like I said, right, there's that sort of shiny future and it seems so evident. Why would everybody not know about it? But they are, you know, they've got their own things in front of them and their own sort of, um, approach and they might not see that shiny future. So, um, my last question is, is a little loaded, I guess, you know, and, and I, and I, I ask it because I, I have a particular answer that I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> but what, what really does make technology effective here in, in the businesses that we work in? So what makes it really effective, I would say is one, the commitment and the buy-in from the top. So technology is a must and there's gotta be the true passionate commitment from the leadership and executive lever and the owners that yes, we're doing this and yes, we're gonna put the resources behind it. So again, it's not just the software, it's the people and there's cost associated with it. So you need to stand behind that and understand that. The other one that's really game-changing is you need a person who's really passionate about this to drive it because it's not on a whim that you're gonna do this. There's a huge commitment behind technology. So someone that's really inquisitive 
um, I find is really the best one suited for it of how can I make this system better? They're seeing improvements before anybody is requesting them. That's the type of person that you want driving all of this. It's someone that can see it, they can build it, they can implement it, um, they can help cascade and socialize. It's really driving. The drive of that person is making things better. That's what motivates the person who's leading this. You're, I am one of those people, right? I don't do it mm -hmm. because it's for me and I get satisfaction out of it. I get it and do it because I like making everybody else's life better. I like showing that this improvement just saved them an hour in their day, you know, right. or the client's experience is, you know, improved our net promoter score because we're delivering better service, you know, those types of things. So I would say the commitment from the top down and the person leading it is very passionate around it. That's, that's fantastic. That's perfect. Um, the, the passion for finding things out, the curiosity around how things work. I mean, in the businesses that I've worked with that have, that have added technologies or started with new softwares, having that person has, as you said, it's been a game changer. So I'm so glad. Um, and yes, we do, we certainly do need the commitment from the, from the, from the owner to say, not, not only, I think this is the right decision, but I'm going to embrace this and, and make it a part of my daily life as well. Absolutely. Um, it takes both. It does. It really does. Um, so we've covered a lot here, Nicole, anything that I neglected to ask or anything that you wanted to add? No, I think I'm honored that you asked me to do this, um, especially in an area that I'm very passionate about. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Of course, you were you were literally the person that I thought of when I thought we need to do this. Um, so I guess then with that, we'll we'll say thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, if you've got any further questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to your coach or to me or to Molly, um, because we've certainly got a, a lot of answers here. Um, and, and as Nicole mentioned, it's her personal passion. So maybe you'll be seeing more of her. Um, I hope everybody has a great day and thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.